fighting for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialists control the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis or being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Is what's up? Welcome into the program. It is a, another wonderful weekend, and it's wonderful to have you with us here. It is the Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. Your patriot on the prairie as we broadcast live out of here every single weekend, coast to coast on our weekend edition of the Voice Reason. Wonderful to have you. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about this weekend. A lot of great guests, as usual. Will Witt will be joining us at the bottom of this hour. He is with Prager University, also known as PragerU, also author of the book, Do Not Comply, as we talk about ways to, well, not comply with the federal government. So looking forward to chatting with him soon. There is a lot of news as we look at our weekend review that we'll do in just a minute. But before we do, I got to take a breath, man. All right. Uh, Chad, jump on the air with me here for just a moment and um, ask me what I did today. So what did you do today? Well, let me. I, I'm glad you asked, Chad. Thank you so much for that opportunity to uh, <laughs> to talk about that. Uh, for some that may know, maybe not everybody knows about this because it's not something that we as Americans really celebrate. But it's still a holiday for a lot of people within the country. But do you know the week, uh, the holiday this weekend? I mean, you living down in Texas, you probably do know. But it's Mexican Independence Day, right? It is, but it's also, it I believe, a Jewish day as well, I believe. Uh, yes. Um, what is it? I forget what it's called. Um, I'm going to look it up during the break because now it's going to bug me, which there's a conspiracy theory behind that. So bear with me and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, this weekend is also Mexican Independence Day. Now, here in the local area, in the Wichita, Kansas area, where my flagship radio station is and I hail from uh, every day and every weekend. We have under the cluster, for those that don't know, by the way, with all the new listeners and all the new markets that we're in, welcome aboard. Uh, coming from here, outside of the radio program, I'm an operations manager for a cluster of radio stations. One of those, two of those actually, are Spanish radio stations. So today, uh, whichever day of the weekend that you're broadcasting this, which is totally okay, but today uh, we had locally our La Raza 102.5, our local Spanish radio station in the Wichita market, had their Raza Fest of 2023 to celebrate Mexican Independence Day. And I was out there for most of the day. Now, um, for those, again, that don't know me, I'm about as glow-in-the-dark white as you can possibly get. But supporting our fellow uh, radio station within our cluster that's within our family, I was out there helping set up, get things going, yada, yada. Over the last year since we've owned this station, they have uh, influenced me on true Mexican culture food. Not like Taco Bell food but like authentic Mexican restaurants over the last year. And I absolutely love it. I have been deemed a special name on La Raza and I jump on air with them every once in a while. I'm learning my Spanish because I want to get better at it today. While I was helping out with our Raza Fest 2023, they asked me to be the judge for a food contest from the food vendors there. Oh yes. Now imagine if you will, there's, I don't know, 5,000 Hispanic individuals at this massive festival that we have with 21 different food vendors, tons of different vendors for all different kinds of stuff, a massive stage with these really awesome mariachi bands and everything that they're rocking out. And I'm just wanting to help out, partake in whatever I can. The one white guy there is the one that's going to be the judge for the tortas. Now, Chad, do you know what a torta is? 
I have an idea, but I can't believe you were the only gringo. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure there were a few around and some other ones from the radio station, obviously. But I'm the only one that can keep up with the food and keep up with the spice of the food because I actually make a spicier salsa than what they even eat. And uh, they get kind of a kick out of that. So nonetheless, I have ju- I literally just got back about a half hour before the program started. I was in town as we were doing the celebration, and I'm going to try my darndest during the radio broadcast today not to go into a food coma because I ate, uh, there were seven tortas, and I cut them in half, so technically I had about three, but I had three tortas. Now, if you don't know what a torta is, it is my favorite food in the entire world. It is like a taco in a sub meshed together. It's like the steak or actually some of them had ham in it or sausage, but it, it's a sandwich with uh, the really, really large bread. They cut in half. They load it up with all these goodies with the with the carne asada, which is the steak and the seasoning and then the uh, avocado and the salsa and the tomato and the lettuce and then some cheese and usually like some refried beans in it. And they load these things up and I had to be the judge on which one was the best one. And the best one received the plaque for the best torta in the city of Wichita, Kansas. And the white guy was the one judging at this Hispanic festival. So just call me Andres Hernandez. <laughs> there we go. That's that uh, now, but you got to walk me through this and help me out, Chad, because again, I may go into a food coma today because I just chowed down on three tortas and each one, like one of them is plenty for a meal by itself without anything else. So it's more or less a Mexican pan- panini, right? Uh, it, exactly. That is a great analogy to it. It is like a Mexican version of a panini. It is the bread that's toasted with the meat and the cheese and the, the sauces on there and the hot sauce, avocados and everything. It is like a sub slash to, uh, panini that they put together. And it is the best thing you will ever eat. I promise you. Well, if I see smoke coming up from your direction, we'll know what it is. Well, I'm telling you, man. So <laughs> they at first, I'm telling you again, because they saw me, they're like, okay, this kid, what? why is he judging it? They didn't realize that I enjoy the spicy food. So I started off. Right out of the gate, I had to take a bite of the roasted serrano pepper that's on the side. And I love serrano peppers. That's how I make my salsa as well. So I enjoy it. But when you roast them, they get exceptionally hot. And if, for again, people that don't eat like hot peppers, you have your jalapeno, which is like, yeah, okay. My favorite, which is the habanero, because that's really hot, but it's also got some good flavor to it. And then the serranos that are up on the level of like a habanero. But when you roast them, it almost doubles the heat in there for whatever reason. So the first thing I did to show them that I was willing to actually take the heat was I took a bite of the roasted serrano pepper by itself and then dove into the sandwich. So that way they knew that I was serious and that I knew what the heck I was doing. So it was delicious. I am stuffed to the gills. I may go into a food coma throughout the program at some point. So if not a food coma, we know that something else may be going on and you will take (laughs) a very quick emergency break. That's right. That's right. If I pass out for whatever reason, if I have to run out of the studio for whatever reason, you'll know why and just have a uh, best of on standby. So there we are. That's my that was my weekend. And if you celebrate it, happy Mexican independence. Andy, why are you celebrating that? It's America. It is America. But we also need to celebrate the different cultures Rosh, that are here in America because Rosh Hashanah is the that's other. right. Rosh Hashanah. That is the other. That is the Jewish festival. And the theory is. When Jesus in the in the Bible, when Jesus made the claim that we would not know when he returned, some Jews actually believe that it was well known that it would happen during Rosh Hashanah 
because only the ones that were devout Jews that actually knew what this festival was, which is their technically like New Year celebration kind of thing, they believe that is when Jesus would return. So if also we go off the air just out of the blue over the next couple hours, then you'll know why, because poof, maybe we just disappeared. Who knows? That's the theory anyways. Rosh Hashanah. So happy Rosh Hashanah. Happy Mexican Independence Day. And uh, that's why I love, no matter how many, what they say, no matter however many people criticize or judge, America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Why? Because we are the melting pot. We are the true melting pot. Did you know that actually coming up in October is actually the Asian New Year Festival as well, which is pretty awesome. Did you also know that uh, before the calendar that come next year into like March and April, that that's the real technical new year because our months right now don't really make a whole lot of sense. When October is supposed to be oct, which is eight, and that's really 10. Nove is nine, deck is 10. That doesn't quite add up with the number of months. So technically the end of the year is supposed to be into March. And that's the reason why we get April Fool's Day is because back in the Middle Ages, when they changed the calendar, they used to laugh at the farmers who still lived off of the old calendar where April was the beginning of the new year because that was the new planting season when everything came back to life. So there you go. Your tidbits of completely unuseful, irrelevant information that I just store in this noggin because I have no reason to do, I guess, store anything else in here as well. And uh, yeah, that's it. Did that, does that at least make a little bit of sense, Chad, I guess? Absolutely. Okay. Well, we try. Welcome into the show. So we do. <laughs> I'm not going to just fill your noggin with a whole bunch of useless information on the program today. I promise. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, and I was going to talk. We're going to wait and save that for hour number two because I want to give it some uh, substantial amount of conversation. But the United Auto Workers are on strike. They number whatever of their strike after going and picketing as of Thursday or Friday this week. That could last for a while, according to the conversation and the negotiations between the three top auto workers and auto companies, they say that they are nowhere near a uh, happy medium between the union and the workers. Now, for those that may be, again, relatively new to this program, you don't know how much I absolutely detest the unions, and that may be very controversial and very triggering for some. I'll break down why later on in hour number two, so you're not going to miss that one. And, Outside and of that... What's really sad about this whole thing... Is it yeah. doesn't affect just those workers. It affects everybody from them all the way down to the parts service managers. Well, it affects everybody, even outside of the auto industry. It oh, affects yeah. you and I if we're going out trying to buy a vehicle. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I this this one is taking it to an entirely another level. And if you haven't heard what they're actually asking for in these negotiations, your blood will boil. If you're a small business owner, if you're a worker in any other industry, and you hear the demand that they're saying that they won't go back to work unless they meet these demands, you will start fuming out of your ears. So we'll go over those details a little bit when we have a bit more time. Outside of that, the other report of what happened this week, we saw the bickering, and I have to say how concerned I am and troubled I am of the Republican Party right now. There was a release clip from Kevin McCarthy this week of him badgering the conservatives in the House of Representatives after a few of them had advocated to try and um, introduce the legislation to remove him from office and from the speakership, which Matt Gates obviously headed that one up, and him and uh, McCarthy have been butting heads quite a bit since the election of McCarthy for Speaker of the House a few months ago at the beginning of the year. But uh, now they're advocating for this again because Kevin McCarthy is trying to go soft. And I mentioned this during the weekday program a little bit, but right now, Kevin McCarthy is between the rock and the hard place 
in the leadership. He wants to pander to the conservatives, but he also wants to try and get something done. And by getting something done, meaning doing something mainstream that is doing the same old, same old, while the conservatives are saying, yeah, no, we're not going to go along with this. When you hear about an indictment or uh, I'm sorry, an impeachment uh, inquiry, not an actual impeachment bill, but an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden, this is the way for him to attempt to pander to the conservative sect of the House of Representatives. And the reason he's doing this right now is a very simple reason. It's because he's trying to pass the federal budget, where right now we don't even have a continuing resolution and deciding on what continuing resolution to use to keep our budget going until the end of December when you're on holiday and nobody cares about it and you're trying to not focus on politics and you just want to block it off and just go about trying to enjoy the family and the end of the year shenanigans, that that's when they're going to ram all this down your throat, which is what we've done since the Barack Obama era oh so long ago. But now we have a conundrum because we could go back to the 2019 budget with our continuing resolution, meaning uh, on a monthly basis, we're not going to have a technical budget. We just have an allotment of money that we can spend based on the averages that we had done in previous months. And there's a push to either go back to the 2019 numbers, which are lower, obviously, prior to the COVID pandemic, or the 2022 numbers, which are dramatically higher, or the 2023 numbers, which, again, are dramatically higher. Conservatives, not for any of them. If they have to, going back to 2019, Democrats not wanting that, obviously, because they want more money. And Kevin McCarthy trying to find a way to unify his party because, unfortunately, his party and his caucus is quite broken. Lots more of this when we come back for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the program, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. So the Republican Party, unfortunately, is going through an identity crisis right now. We are trying to figure out which direction to go. Donald Trump, when he came into office, came in, overturned the table, shook things up a little bit, and tried to boot out a lot of the establishment. They didn't like that. And now they're trying to push back. But the transparency is there now. The closed-door meetings that they used to have are gone. And a lot of the old-age politicians that are there, and by old-age, I mean not necessarily the ones that are 80, 90 years old, but the ones that are been there for, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 years, those individuals, and they think that Washington, D.C. operates a certain way. They've tried to go about certain things their own way. Those days are over. And they haven't quite grasped that, which is why they're so angry and they continue to want to demonize Donald Trump and others that are the outsiders, even like the candidates like Vivek Ramaswamy and some of the others that are the quote-unquote outsiders in politics. And they're angry at how these outsiders, these average Joe Schmoes or business owners, are able to waltz in and start acting like politicians. They don't like that. This is a closed club. Stay the hell out. You're not welcome. So... We have this internal battle into the Republican Party right now. It's unfortunate because this should be a building year for us where we go into 2024 a lot stronger than what we were prior, where we have our identity, we have our platforms laid out, we know exactly what we're going to stand for, we know exactly what candidates we're going to support, we know exactly how we're going to move forward on some major issues in the nation. We're not doing that right now. We have most state parties, Republican parties at the statewide level, that are in complete shambles. I can tell you here in Kansas where I'm at, 
our party is not doing good. The last financial report we saw, they only had like $6,000 in the coffer. When normally at this time we have like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand. And the new chairman was supposed to, he promised to have in there like 2 million by now. And we're sitting at like 6,000. We can barely pay our staff at a statewide level. There's numerous states that I've heard that are doing the exact same thing. Very concerning. So this battle now between Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans in the House of Representatives is going to damage the party unless we get our, you know, what in a row pretty quickly. Because while he's berating the Republican caucus behind closed doors, he's the calm and collect guy in front of the cameras. And that's what we want. And look, I've said it before, it may be annoying, but we need a Kevin McCarthy that is very calm, very collect, because just like Mike Pence, he was kind of the calming uh, the yin to the yang of Donald Trump, who was really the bull in the China shop, which isn't a bad thing, but they contrasted each other perfectly. And Kevin McCarthy, while he gets on my nerves for being way too calm and collect sometimes, because I really want him to be fired up and angry about stuff, just like most of the Republican Party members are and most voters are across the nation, he does it in a very rational way to where people can't argue with him. But to hear what he did behind the scenes by berating and challenging them. Go ahead and blankety-blank try it, meaning try to remove him from office. He's got a point. I mean, who are we going to put in place uh, if he ends up going? If we do find enough of the Republican members to vote him out, who's going to take that slot? I don't quite know because I don't think that we could get anybody more conservative. We don't have enough conservative Republicans in there that would vote for a more conservative Speaker of the House. How do I know that? We only have 21 or 22 of them that are actually open to stopping a federal budget that massively increases by $2 trillion. Again, for those that may have missed it, to put that into perspective, that's the same level that we spent during the COVID pandemic for all the shutdowns and the bailouts for businesses and individuals and the child tax credit, I mean, the universal basic income. We spent $2 trillion above our normal budget. Now they're asking that to be our normal level of spending. And only 21, 22 Republicans are willing to say, we're not going to fund this. We're not going to advocate for this. And we don't care if the government has to shut down because we will not allow it. There's some Republicans on the Senate side, like James Langford from Oklahoma, that's trying to pass a bill as well that would stop a government shutdown. So that way we don't come into the... Uh, panic like we do so often, the Fast and Furious, we have to pass it to see what's in it, ram everything in there, and say if you don't pass it, then the government's shutting down, and it's because it's all your fault. We're in a disaster, and we need to figure out what our identity is pretty quickly. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. Reason, Common Sense, Rationale. That's what we do here on this program every weekend for our weekend review. You can always find us, by the way, with our favorite podcasting sites on The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You can also find our website, sign up for our newsletter, which is completely free. You can sign up for it, become the latest Hoosier-holic by going to HoosierReason.com. That's H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. Also, all of our social media with the handle at Hoosier Reason as well. Find us, like us on there. We try to share some interesting memes. And I was telling a joke. I said a joke earlier this week. I'm not going to say it on this program because I already said it on my radio program from earlier in the week. But if you like cheesy sarcasm, then you've come to the right place here on this show. 
Let's get into what's trending today. What do you say? What's trending today? So we just got off of our last segment, the identity crisis within the Republican Party, the threats from Kevin McCarthy about the potential removal from Speaker of the House. And the question is, if we do that, then who do we replace him with? And do we have enough conservatives within the Republican caucus to actually put up a conservative Speaker of the House if that were to be the case? Because right now we only have 20, 21, maybe 22 different Republicans that are willing to fight against the federal budget. That's going to be $2 trillion more than what we just saw this last uh, fiscal year that's about ready to end, which means the same level of what we had during the bailouts of COVID-19 and the lockdowns and nobody working and the child tax credit, I mean, the universal basic income and all the other issues that we saw, that would be our new norm of a normal level of spending. Think about that. By next year, it would go up another $2 trillion. And there's only a handful of Republicans starting to say, wait a second, we're, we're not even looking over the cliff anymore. We're already off the cliff. We're just the wily coyote with his head trying to maintain up while the body's already falling. That's where we're at in this country. What do we do about this with the identity crisis that Republicans have? And how do we get back on track fighting against the establishment in Washington, D.C.? To talk about some of that and more, really happy to have this guy back on the show. It's been way too long since we've had him on. I want to say it's been like a year or so since we've had him on the program. But he is a national best-selling author. He's a uh, popular international speaker, and he is the author of the book, Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. Happy to have on the show Will Witt with us here. Will, how are you, my friend? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? I'm living the dream. It's good to have you back on and talk to you again. Uh, Do you agree? Are the Republicans going through an identity crisis? Because we should be in a stage right now where we're building ourselves up at the federal level with statewide parties across the nation to get ready for a major 2024 election. And to me, it seems like we're bickering amongst each other so much. We're almost crumbling right now. And I don't know that we're going to be ready for an election next year. Yeah, well, we have the bickering between Trump and DeSantis campaigns, and that obviously causes a lot of dissolution within the party. But I know that I go and speak at a lot of Republican events, right? I'll go to Lincoln Reagan dinners and things like that. And I'll go and of these speeches about fighting for what Biden, I'll call out weak rhinos and the Democrats and all this, and I'll have about half of the people in the room really not like me, and about half of the people in the room really love me. And to me, this shows that there is a, quite a divide between the Republicans, where you have kind of the common man type of people who just want to see their lives get better, just want to see freedom, and then you have the Republicans who are doing this all for themselves. And what it seems like in Congress right now is that Basically, most, if not 99 percent of the Republicans in Congress right now are that type of group that are just doing this for themselves so that they can go viral on Twitter with with new clips. Yeah, that is true. Do you think I mean, there's been some that have been in office for a very long time. And since Trump left office, it's almost like they've wanted to get back to business as normal, quote unquote, have the back closed door meetings. Uh, you know, the smokes, uh, the cigar smoke filled rooms trying to just do their deals to where uh, they present to us the little bit they know that we feed off of as the consumer and the voter. Outside of that, we don't know it. We have to do the Nancy Pelosi style of pass it to see what's in it. They're desperate to get back to D.C. as normal, and it's not working. Donald Trump did something up there that exposed a lot of what what goes on up there and showed the American people what it was like in D.C., and I think they're kind of angry about that, but they're trying to figure out this new transition of politics, aren't they? Well, I think so, but You just said that it wasn't working, but I I think actually it is working because who's going to go and stop them? 
you or me are going to to stop this two trillion dollar uh, extended spending package and all this. I I don't see that. This is probably most more than likely going to get passed, and it's just going to be more of the same. And every single year we see. I mean, you could look back thirty years thirty years back, and has your life gotten better in any sort of way from the government? You can basically say no, except for the presidency of Donald Trump with some of the things he did. But other than that, the government has done nothing but make your life worse. That sounds very libertarian to me, but it doesn't seem like even though the American people have woken up to this kind of stuff because of Trump, I don't know what we are going to do about it to make sure that this doesn't happen. I think it is D.C. business as usual. Yeah, D.C. It is. It's very concerning and it's very frustrating for those that do actually pay attention to this stuff. So the question is, which is why you have your book, Do Not Comply. How do we fix this? How do we actually do anything about this? Because I think in both of us, I mean, we're relatively young. I'm 34 myself. Uh, our generation, we other than trying to create a hashtag on social media and do our little venting on the Tweety or on the Facebook or something, we don't know how to actually change something legitimately. We think that the hashtag and getting enough people to think about it on social media is enough. That's not doing anything right now. How do we fix this? You know, of course, it's very difficult when you're thinking of practical solutions on how we do this. You can turn to voting. You can turn to making our voting better. You can have that we can demand more from our candidates and have them be God-fearing and not just, you know, looking out for themselves and their own popularity. But what it really comes down to when it comes to compliance, you think about the COVID vaccine or the mask the first time around, and you had so many people around our age who they didn't get the COVID vaccine or wear the mask because they thought it would keep them safe. They did it so that they could have an easy life. So that they didn't have to deal with other people saying, oh, what are you doing? You're killing my grandma by not doing this. Or you can't travel to France on your spring break because you didn't get vaccinated. They did it so that they could have an easy life. And so we see yeah. that same sort of mentality in politics where people would rather have easy, easiness of, of politics, easiness of, of being a part of some group, some party, than actually fighting against it and going to your congressman and saying, this is ridiculous, how are you doing this? And calling them and, and fighting them. Like all these, these conservative shows like on Fox News and stuff, they should be putting the numbers of these congressmen up and saying, call these people, because these are the people who are ruining your life and making it so that you can never have economic independence ever again in this country. It is very concerning. We're talking with Will Witt, author of the book, Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite, which you can also find on his Tweety, at the Will Witt. And uh, you can find his information. You can find his book on Amazon and other places as well. With the younger generations, I've seen a poll that said the really the conservatives under 35, their ideal priorities, their agenda is changing and shifting, where for the longest time, the Republican Party has focused so much on economic issues. And we've done well-ish. We've done kind of okay, at least our ideas have done well. The leaders haven't necessarily stopped spending or curb spending at all. But the younger generation, they say that so far economic issues aren't necessarily their main priority, but it's combating and going head to head with the social issues of the day, with education, with the LGBTQ thing, with abortion issues, that that's some of their main priorities. Have you seen that from where you go and where you speak and some of the uh, people that you talk to? And if that is the case, then are Republicans going to, unfortunately, start not talking as much about economic issues? There's a lot that goes into this with all that I see. I mean, first of all, you have the gay and trans agenda, and people like myself and other people around our age, you know, they see this stuff, and it's shoved down their throats. 20 years ago, you would have never have even heard the word transgender, maybe once a year, <laughs> if, if that. Now you can't go 10 seconds, literally 10 seconds, 
without seeing something about it. It is frustrating for people to see this every single day down your throat and then see a video of some transgender dancing on a child. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? These things to a lot of young people are just ridiculous. And then I don't know if you've heard this new trend about asking, you know, your boyfriend if they think about ancient Rome. Yeah, what all is these that? Girlfriends are asking, well, it's basically all these girls ask their boyfriend and say they're on video for TikTok or Instagram, whatever. And they say, how often do you think of ancient Rome? And then the young men, they answer. And for the most part, all these young men are saying once a week, maybe a couple times a month. For me, it was every day when I was asked. I think about ancient Rome all the time, but we think about these kind of things because we lack a real sense of purpose, a real sense of meaning. Young people today mm. do not have any sort of adventure or, or heroism to go with. This is what I explain in the book, that it's not just about not complying with, with COVID policies or climate change policies. It's about becoming an individual and not complying with the elites and bureaucrats that want to make you a slave. So these types of things are not economically tied. I mean, freedom can be economically tied, but when it comes to humanity, you could be a poor person and still have humanity as an individual. The things that matter to young people right now when they have such a lack of meaning are the things that are more social, the things that are connected to God and, and the purpose in their life. And that's why I think you're having so many young men especially become conservative now because they see such a downturn in the culture. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I have heard of that trend that you talked about. I don't think about ancient Rome, actually. I think about some of the other cultures. But you're right. You hit it right on. I think there's a lack of purpose and right now, when we talk about collective and the progressives use this box think, this this mindset of you're a certain race, you're a certain religion, you're a certain gender, you're a certain sexual orientation, that now all of a sudden you're not an individual, you're now part of this collective, you're now part of this group, and you must think, you must vote, you must act just like this group. You don't have any purpose, which is why maybe we see so many mental health issues, so many people just trying to fight for ridiculous things, because there's no purpose in their life and they're desperate to look for that. There was purpose back then, even if you even look at the founding of this nation, the purpose to try and build something from nothing, that's what we're lacking in this nation. I think that that's what people are striving for today. Yeah, well, if anyone has read the book Brave New Worlds, you'll see that playing out quite clearly in our in the West today. A lot of people talk about 1984, and we're very close to that. I, I think there is some truth to that, but I think it's much more like Brave New World. You had psychologist B.F. Skinner in the 1960s talk about positive reinforcement. That is how you control people, by making them want to do these behaviors. It, that's how you incline them to do it. And so you have in America today, in the West today, all these immoral acts, this group thing, these these uh, uh, agendas with leftism make it their new god, their new religion, and you incline these behaviors towards people, and you're going to get the, the leftist machine taken over with all the children, all the young people today. Yeah, that's true. Will, can you stick over one more segment with us? We'd love to keep this going. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, let's take a break. One more segment to wrap up hour number one of The Voice Reason here for our weekend edition. We'll continue this conversation right back after this. It's The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into one more segment here for hour number one. We have so much to talk about the uh, United Auto Workers. We'll get into that in hour number two. There's a lot of detail that we need to break down. And are unions still relevant? Were they ever relevant? 
That's a conversation we'll have in hour number two. You're not going to miss that. Plus, Dr. Carol Lieberman will be joining us. She is America's psychiatrist. We're going to break down <laughs> the mental state of the Biden administration. I know, very triggering right there. That's, that's So get ready, Democrats. I'll be waiting for your angry tweets. It's okay. We're hanging out with Will Witt right now. The Will Witt on the Tweety. You can find him with PragerU, also author of his book as well. Do not comply taking power back from America's corrupt elite. Well, we were talking about trying to find purpose and ways to where we can be effective in changing the world and making it a better place again and the swinging of the pendulum back and forth. The I like to use the term the awakening. The quote-unquote awakening has happened, I think, for many. Uh, and I think COVID really sparked that, where we realized how much control our local governments had with our city council and school boards telling us we can't go out in public without a mask or a vaccine. And the lockdown saying that your business, your mom and pop locally owned business, your livelihood is non-essential in your community. This woke up a lot of people. And now we have more conservatives running for school boards and running for city council, trying to protect ourselves from that situation happening again. I ask you, Will, is that enough or do we still have a long ways to go here? Well, I think we do have a long ways to go here, but that's kind of what it's always been like throughout human history. We've never had a time in human history where we've been able to kind of just say, oh, things are so great right now. There's nothing we need to strive for. That is the human condition to have uh, heartache and and struggles and and adversity among you. There's never been a time in human history where we haven't had that. And so I think it really comes down to people realizing what's at stake realizing how God wants us to live and looking to be individuals in our own right and going forward. I think that the fact that we have so many moms, like an organization like Moms for Liberty that started out here in Florida, some of you guys might be aware of this, started out with like two people. And now is this huge organization across the country putting on events with, with DeSantis and Trump and all these people. I mean, it's fantastic to see how just a, a parent-led coalition can, can change America forever. We can all do that. We can all be that person. You might think, oh, I'm just some mom who cares about what's happening in my school, you can do so much more than what these people would have you believe. They try and tell you that, oh, you're not an expert, a quote-unquote expert. That's their favorite term. You have to be an expert. But you don't have to be an expert in one of these things to know what is right, to know what is true, and to fight for it. Well, that is true. And we can look beyond, I guess, quote-unquote science. And I say that with uh, tongue-in-cheek because, remember, Dr. Fauci said he is science. He didn't agree with science or just go along with science. He was Science. So I guess we have to go along with <laughs> that as well. Uh, as we look at the young generation, what I think is going to be the future that fixes this. And some of the younger generations, they say, are going to be more conservative than world, than those uh, from World War II because of watching how bad things are right now. And the biggest push right now from the conservative and Republican standpoint, at least, has been the push for school choice. We're actually seeing it in conversations at uh, the statewide levels across most states right now. Whether it's homeschooling, whether it's school choice, whether it's charter schools, whether it's micro schooling, which I think is absolutely amazing. Do you think that's the future conversation we have to have to get the young generation to understand real history, understand actual education and get them on the right track to start correcting that course moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it in Florida. They passed legislation for it. Now they have, what, 120,000 extra parents who are now going into this voucher program in Florida on top of the, what, 170,000 they had before, something like that. It's truly amazing what's happening. You know, and Florida is just one example of many states, like you said, that are talking about it. But, you know, I say go even farther. I think we need to abolish the public schools. The public schools are nothing but indoctrination centers where they teach students how to not be creative, how to not be articulate, and essentially how to be obedient to authority. 
so that when you get out of school, you know how to be obedient to people like Dr. Fauci, to Biden, to the, the federal government. That's what school teaches you. It teaches you how to memorize things and how to listen to someone telling you what to do. So we need a better model for schooling, first of all. And maybe I'm getting a little tangential and in the weeds here on, on the question that you asked, but I think it's really important if we're looking for a holistic way on how to actually fix these things. The school system yeah. we have in America today is not it. I completely agree. And Donald Trump did say in his Agenda 47 that if he were elected president again, he would work towards abolishing the Federal Department of Education, which I think is a major kudos. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get that done. I think a lot of voters are really excited about something like that. It's Will Witt. Go and check it out. Author of the book, Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. Find him on the Tweety at the Will Witt. Will, always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. There is hour number two, right around the corner. We got so much more to talk about. United Auto Workers, the strike is on, baby. How long will this continue? What's this going to do to your pocketbook? Inflation rates and so much more. Plus, we have Dr. Carol Lieberman, an America's psychologist, will break down the mental state of the country. All that and more, you're not going to want to miss it. It's hour number two of The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Lots more coming up. Stay right here.